The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a film critic for The Wrap and IGN. Everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic too. Good. For whoever will have me. You write for, the, you write for IGN. I write for IGN. And, and uh, other places. And I write for uh, criticallyacclaimed.net. Yes. Um, and, I, and I write for you. Patreon subscribers. Yeah, not me. He's not. He's no. looking at me, but he's I'm talking to you. Talking to you, dear listeners. I, I will write for you because one of one of the perks of Patreon is you can assign us articles. Yeah. So uh, over at Patreon.com/slash Cancel Too Soon, we got bonus material. We got bonus stuff. We just released an episode of Only the Best, in which Whitney and I review every single nominee for Best Picture in Academy Awards history. Yep. Uh, we did the fifth annual Academy Awards just now. Uh, eight movies. A lot of them great. A lot of them rarely discussed. It's an interesting uh, uh, chapter in cinema history, and uh, it's a real treat. So I hope you uh, join in and uh, join along. I already started to watch uh, one from the next year. So That's yeah. cool, man. So I'm looking forward to that. Steaming ahead on that one. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, we got that going on, and we've also got our Marvelous Month of Marvels. That's right. All throughout the month of November, we've been reviewing failed television series based on Marvel Comics. And because our monthly Patreon poll, because every month on Patreon, our Patreon subscribers get to decide an episode for us to review, because they had a three-way tie, we're cramming in as many extra shows as possible. Uh, so this, the, st- stay tuned, because the next week's going to get kind of hectic. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Uh but this is a show this week that we have been wanting to do for a while. We've had a lot of requests for it. It is a spinoff of a very popular and very kind of surprisingly influential motion picture series, which we recently reviewed uncritically acclaimed. Uh, it is based off of uh, a, a popular, formerly cultish, but now very well-known superhero whose name is Blade the Series. It began with a trilogy, but some things are better left undead. You bought a different kind of vampire. He has all their strengths and none of their weaknesses. What are you doing here? You know who killed my brother. Let it go. I'm going after them with or without you. What does that make you? Something else. This is impossible. No. Reality. Wait, his his name is Blade the Series? Yeah. 
Blade T series. Yeah, people don't know his full name. <laughs> My name, name is Blade T series. Now, uh, Blade started in uh, Marvel Comics as a vampire hunter. Uh, he became all dark and grizzled in the nineties. He was and, already kind of dark and grizzled. Uh, he had a tragic so. backstory, and he killed bloodsuckers uh, for a living. But uh, he made the transition to film in 1998 with every single super cool, now totally dated 90s fashion intact. Yeah, we got so we got, got leather, lo- we got long, raves, we got new metal, mm, we got all kinds like, like of like a, hip a, a, shit. A lot of hip techno soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it feels incredibly dated today, but it's still pretty thrilling. The special effects don't hold up, but that's fine. They were cheap at the time, and special they're still effects, cheap now. In general, special effects don't yeah. hold up 20 years later, no matter what the film is. Yeah, uh, Titanic. There's a few, yeah. in general. In general, <laughs> well, for, most That's of. unfair, because Titanic's maybe the best-looking special effects film ever. Uh, kind of, yeah. It's, it's, it's like this weird golden spot in special effects history where just every tool was still being used. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, Blade was this hugely influential motion picture. It started off as just this modest, supernatural action adventure that happened to be based on a comic. But its unexpected box office success got a lot of studios interested in adapting other superhero stories, mm-hmm. saying, oh, there's a market for this, and it doesn't have to be Batman or Superman. Obscure mm-hmm. characters can sell tickets, and those are cheaper to get. Yeah. So we started getting a lot kinda... of studios buying up rights, and that led directly, not even indirectly, directly to the superhero boom in which we still live in today. Yeah, which has um, been going on for... Everyone says... I remember, like... Years ago, when people started saying, oh, this is going to start tapering off pretty soon, and we're going to see a new trend, it's still going. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm it's been really, 20 years. I'm really, really surprised that you know, for 20 straight years, like there have been a few uh, you know, bombs along the way, but yeah, there's sure. been nothing to sort of hobble the whole genre. We are looking at a, about one-sixth of all film history mm. has been dominated by superhero movies at the at the box office. Yeah, yeah. And granted, that's the most recent one, and we've seen other trends fizzle out after decades. But this is not a fad. This mm. is the state of being. Yeah. And it was Blade more than Batman and Superman, which were considered, uh, uh, you know, they were huge blockbusters, but they were considered exceptions to the rule. Mm. It was Blade well, and, the popular, and, and they were like the most popular comic book characters. Yeah. So of course they were going to go there. Like everyone yeah. knew them, but Blade showed that any any character who's interesting enough can sell mm. a movie. Uh, we reviewed all three of the Blade motion pictures in a very recent episode of Critically Acclaimed. It was back in October. You, if you want to go to the Schmoes No iTunes feed, if you don't already listen to Cancelled, uh, sorry, to yeah, Critically Acclaimed, yeah. Uh, that's our movie review show. We review entire movie franchises. We do double features of the best and worst movies ever made. And we review brand new movies as well. Go back to October. We've got a whole episode in which we talk about Blade for like the better part of an hour. All mm. three movies. Real, real, real fast. Because mm. it does lead directly into the television series. All right. We're going to recap super fast. The first Blade. We meet... Blade. He's played by Wesley Snipes. He is a badass. He is he's modeled. He's half vampire. Uh, he is his parents. Yeah, uh, uh, did he have to kill his parents or no? No, no? no. Well, he did eventually. Okay, so what yeah. happened was his mother was bitten by a vampire while Blade was still 
in, un- in utero. Yeah, uh, unborn. Uh, she goes into labor, and he ends up being born half vampire, mm. which gives him all of the powers of vampires, but none of the weaknesses of vampires except a thirst for blood, which he manages with special cocktails and potions and mm. things. Um, so he has spent that, his okay. entire life hunting vampires, mm. m- a large part of it uh, with his partner, Abraham Whistler, who is played by Chris Christopherson in the movies and is and died in the first film and the third film and in the third film it took because he does not come back <laughs> except in a flashback the, in Blade ad- the series. Additionally, vampires have uh, developed an entire underworld society. Yeah, a whole culture. Uh, there's a whole cult, yeah, there, where there's pure bloods and half bloods and kind of an aristocracy and, and different houses. If and, you were born a vampire, you were considered better of yeah. a higher class than people who were turned into so Yeah, vampires. there's there's pure bloods and I, I forget what they call the half bloods. If they're just <sighs> called half bloods. Mud bloods. They call it mud bloods in Harry Potter. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, they also have like human familiars who get like tattoos of the different houses tattooed on their bodies and mm-hmm. their ancient vampire texts in the first movie. And he has to sort of find a way to hunt down vampires while still remaining on like in the shadows of the uh, vampire underworld. Because I guess if he just goes straight in and starts murdering people, he'll be killed because there are too many powerful vampires. Yeah, he's he's wildly outnumbered. Mm. Um, so in the first movie, he kicks a lot of ass and he kills Steven Dorf. Cool. Mm. In the second movie, he and- kicks a lot of ass and he kills that one guy who's in Guillermo del Toro movies a lot. Uh, in the second movie, there's like these Nosferatu's with unhinged jaws that also drink vampire blood. And yeah, they're vampires that eat vampires. They're vampire vampires, and uh, it was a fun premise. It's not it's, as good a movie. It, it, it's fine. It's got some fun stuff. It's stylized and dumb. The monsters are cool. The monsters That's are cool. It, Guillermo That's del Toro it. directed it. The monsters are there's, cool. There's a dis- Everything else is just okay. There's a dissection scene, and I think the whole movie was made for that one <laughs> dissection scene where he gets to rip open a, a vampire body. Um, and then there was Blade Trinity, which sucked. Uh, that was the one in which Blade <laughs> fought Dracula. How do you make that not cool? Well, I'll tell you. You make Blade Trinity... Uh, you cast Dracula with Dominic Purcell from Prison Break, an okay actor. I got nothing against him. Totally miscast as Dracula. Yeah, he, he he really looks like a porn star in that. Yeah, movie. It just, he really just doesn't have like, the right vibe at all. And and it's it played way more comic. The, you know, one of the vampire lords was played by Parker Posey, who's playing it totally comedic. And well, you should. And one of and one of the one of the good guys was played by Ryan Reynolds, who's also playing it very mm-hmm. comic because he's Ryan Reynolds and. Yeah. You have the, a vampire the tone, Pomeranian in that movie. Yeah, the, the, to- the tone was way off. It's just paced badly. All of these films were written by uh, superhero film guru David S. Goyer, who uh, has his hand in a lot of superhero properties. And uh, he, he also he also wrote or co-wrote uh, mm-hmm. Batman Begins, The yeah, Dark Knight, yeah. Man of Steel. Uh, uh, he's and, and and other bad ones as well. In fact, we're actually going to be uh, reviewing a made-for-TV pilot that he wrote and then got massively rewrote. In all mm. fairness, uh, uh, also that came out in the same. Just year he, as Blade. he he he's one of one of Hollywood's go-to comic book guys. He's great at structure. Uh-huh. That's the that's the thing with David Goyer. He, <coughs> excuse me. He's good at macho and he's good at structure. Uh-huh. Those like, are the things he excels at. 
like characters dialogue maybe not so much but yeah yeah i find his better the better films he's done generally are films in which you see he has a credited (laughs) co-writer okay that's that's what i generally find i think Uh, he works really well with others he is also the creator of the 2006 show we're about to cover blade the series Mm -hmm. now blade Uh, was created by comic book creators in the 1970s but this version of him was ported over it is in okay Technically, it's supposed to take place after the events of Blade Trinity. Blade Trinity ended with Blade killing Dracula and unleashing a wave of blobby blue energy that was supposed to end and slash cure slash kill every vampire in the world. And there was only going to be Blade left. That was the end of the movie. So... That that part they don't go with. (laughs) They they basically... The implication is they pull a millennium. Where if you remember at the end of one season of Millennium, the entire world ended... And then in the next season, they were like, it was that one small town in New England. Well, because they, they didn't know they were going to be uh, renewed. Yeah, they thought they were millennium. being canceled. Yeah, so yeah, they, they figured, oh, just, we'll, just, we'll just end the world. Well, it turns out that did really well. What do you got next? Uh, oh, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. and Blade's the same we... way. So apparently it didn't take, there's still a ton of vampires mm-hmm. out there. And now Blade is in, it's Detroit. It's Detroit. He's in Detroit. Which is his hometown. Yeah, he's in Detroit. In uh, uh, Blade the series, and he is taking on his arch nemesis in this uh, uh, one is Magnus Bane. No, Mark Marcus Vra- Marcus Van Skyver, oh, uh, who is Van the head Skyver. of the House of Cathan, and uh, he he is like one of the wimpiest, worst villains that I think I've. Uh, in, in any of the Blade movies, even wor- I think he's even worse than Dracula. No, no, there, no one's worse than Dracula because he's not he's not threatening, and they well, keep trying to sell him as this sex object. But he he looks like he needs a like a sandwich and a walk in the sun. Like he looks well, he, he looks can't unhealthy. have a walk in the sun. He's a vampire. I suppose not, but he looks I, unhealthy. That's, a, that's he's a vampire. He looks pale. <laughs> well, it looks well, like he needs his Don't. <laughs> what do you expect? Don't film him like he's a bodybuilder. Is my point <laughs> when he looks like a newt man? All right. So uh, Blade the mm. series starred. Uh, so what happened was they tried to do a Blade television series allegedly at Showtime, which mm. would have been R-rated, action-packed, bigger budget with Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes wouldn't do it. That got shake canned, and then they ended up taking it to of all networks Spike. Oh, Spike TV, how I remember thee. Spike was pitched pitched as Maxim the Channel. Uh, (laughs) It was a sexy, macho network for dudes. Not men, dudes. Dudes, young young bros, bro. And yeah, it was all really aggressive, very action-oriented, a lot of sexist programming. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, they, they had freedom to do a little bit more violence and nudity, so... It's really Blade quite is, violent and nudity film. Yeah, yeah, Blade is... Here's the one thing I appreciate about Blade. You watch some of the shows on HBO, stuff like Deadwood or, or The Sopranos, and they seem to be bragging about the fact that they can cuss and show nudity. Yeah. It's like that they'll show... it Like when they did it in something like Tales from the Crypt, well, that fits because that's supposed to be a lurid show. But no matter what the show is, it's like, and here's the scene where you know a woman takes her shirt off, mm-hmm. and we're the obligatory to, scene at a strip club. Yeah, there's going to be a strip club, and yeah. but like you look at a strip undress. club in a show like I don't know Claws, which is on TNT, mm-hmm. and it's bikinis, and that's fine. <laughs> but then if there that are, sh- and there are bikini bars. There so, sure yeah. are. However, if that show was on Showtime or HBO. Mm-hmm. Totally nude. Total, totally nude and like close, like they'd luxuriate on women's yeah. bodies or or the gore. They'd, they'd use the F word 
too much. A little much. bit too commonly. Yeah. It's like, people don't talk like that, but you're just saying it because you can. Like, Deadwood and was, half of the appeal of Deadwood was, wow, cowboys swear. They, yeah, they said the F word a lot, evidently. Ooh. <laughs> and, and there's one episode where that's the only word they use. They just communicate <laughs> using the F word. Over and over again, just with different inflections. It's an improv exercise people do, actually. You do, yeah, you do yeah. an entire you scene using one only word. One word. Yeah. Yeah. There's a funny scene in the movie Basketball where they have a whole conversation using nothing but the word dude. 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 Okay, you have a point there. Funny stuff in that movie. There's funny stuff in that movie. It's not a great film, but there's a lot of funny, funny little set pieces. But yeah, to my point, uh, Blade the series handles the violence and the nudity with a little bit more natural grace than something on HBO. It is, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's it's right up front about it, and it's clearly gratuitous, but at least it's not holding it up, you know, the way HBO does. It's not proud of it. It's just the thing it does. They, they, they know they have it. And every episode, as you go along through this 13-episode season, like, almost at the same point in every episode, there's a nude scene. It's like, it's it's pretty well-structured, <laughs> actually. Even because the, someone just had to take a shower right Yeah, it's like then. there's a shower, or and, and unfortunately a lot of these are like women being abused. There's a lot of women yeah, that take abuse in this series. There's, there's but, some real trigger alert moments uh, in yeah, this series yeah, I, that are really gross. If you're a prostitute in Detroit, you're just vampire food. They're, like, <laughs> every single prostitute character oh. is just eaten by a vampire in this show. Uh, the, the preferred nomenclature is sex worker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, so... It, the whole thing plays because partially the thing because it's on Spike. The whole thing plays like a canon movie. Okay, it's this yeah. cheap, somewhat ambitious for its own cheapness mm. action movie set largely in abandoned warehouses and offices. <laughs> At least there's no spark factories and catwalks. Yeah, so uh, I, I miss the spark factories. I like spark factories back in the eighties. <laughs> there I'm were so more glad. sparks in action movies. I don't need the spark factory back. That I is an action it. movie setting that is fine. Like they, they were using that into the two thousands. They finally so abandoned cool. it at some point. Uh, but you, here's the deal. When was the last time you were able to buy Sparks? You can't anymore. We yeah, got rid true. of the factories. It's a tragedy. <laughs> it's, I, it's, I lament the loss. It's nostalgia for me. Uh, the show aired from June 28th through September 13th, 2006. It was produced by David S. Goyer, who uh, had previously or done Freaky Links, which we covered on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also did uh, a pilot for a dream-centric... I think. I think maybe it was a short series. There was a dream-centric sci-fi series called Sleepwalkers starring Naomi Watts, which I have to track down. We'll we'll track that down at some point. Uh, He also would eventually go on to do Constantine, which is in our kind of pile, because technically he did go on and appear in Legends of Tomorrow, but we'll probably get to it eventually at some level. Uh, Blade, uh, we lost Wesley Snipes. Mm. He was too busy (laughs) doing whatever he was doing at the time. And uh, was it wasn't he in prison in two thousand six? I don't remember if he was in prison. Too. He ended up going to prison for tax purposes, yeah. like tax evasion or whatever. Um, he's out now. He's doing fine. But uh, yeah, there was a time when he was just out he, of the he, business. But he was he, doing he was also in, a bunch of straight to video. He was stuff in dire financial straits. He's he's luckily recovered and he's in you know, total good humor about it. But yeah, yeah I, I, he was in jail for a little bit there. Yeah, uh, he is replaced in the series by. Kirk Jones, a.k.a. Sticky Fingers, who was in the uh, hip-hop group Onyx. 
Um, he was also... The, the, he, you know Onyx, right? Yeah. Uh, they did Slam! Yeah, I, I like the Onyx fine. Yeah. Uh, he has a long career of mostly small roles in things. Mm. Uh, like, he was in the movie Dead Presidents, he was on The Shield, he was in Leprechaun Back to the Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say this, right off the bat, um, I think... I, there are people who I can imagine playing Blade as well or better than Wesley Snipes. Uh-huh. I don't think Sticky Fingers is as good as Wesley Snipes, but I also think he's fine. I he, think he does okay. He's fine, and I think he captures... I mean, the, the character of Blade is so stoic yeah. that he doesn't have like a lot of depth or personality. He's not really that exciting a character. Yeah, he's but, pretty straightforward. Uh, Wesley Snipes added like a touch of humor to the character, which I appreciated. There are a few funny bits, especially in the first Blade movie, mm-hmm. um, that I think Sticky Fingers does well. Yeah, I think he you know, does that stoicness well. He's tough. He's I got think... huge biceps. Mm-hmm. He does yeah. all of the fighting and the action really well. He and, looks the part. He plays the part, I and, think, and he does those little bits of humor. So he is just as capable as Wesley Snipes. He's not as charismatic a screen presence, but mm-hmm. he's as capable as play, at playing Blade. I think Sticky Fingers appreciates that Blade is almost an aspirational hero. Mm-hmm. There weren't a lot of black superheroes. In fact, there still aren't in movies and television. Mm-hmm. And he really wanted to play up just how badass he yeah. was, and I think he got away with it. As we said in our Blade reviews. If Blade had originally been a black exploitation movie in the seventies, it would have been a great one. <laughs> I think people would still be very fond. Of it. Fondly remembered on the midnight movie circuit. Anyway, uh, he has joined in the series. His new sidekick, uh, the guy who makes all of his tech mm. and is the person who he explains all his plans to, so the audience can hear it. It's a guy named Shen. He's played by Nelson Lee, who was in Oz and Vacancy Two, the first cut. Which is kind of counterintuitive. Uh, he's also in the upcoming Mulan. Okay. Uh, and uh, he, the bad guy is Marcus Van Skyver. He's played by Neil Jackson, who was had small roles in Nocturnal Animals, Quantum of Solace, and we'll see him next month in the Robert Zemeckis film Welcome to Marwan. Okay. Or Marwan, whatever it is. Uh, his main sidekick... His his girl Friday, if you will, mm. Vampire Friday, uh, is played by Jessica Gower. Well, she's not sidekick; mm. she's the co lead of the show. I think so. No, 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 no. Not Blade's sidekick, Marcus Van Skyvers. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. you mean the it, evil vampire Chase. lady? Yeah, Chase. Chase is the character. Chase. Name. Yeah. She's played by Jessica Jack Gower. Uh, she was in the Secret Life of Us and All Saints on like Australian mm. TV. And then the other <clears throat> main lead on the show is a woman named Krista Starr. Mm. In the first episode, her brother is a familiar. Working for Marcus Van Skyver, he's killed, and she's investigating and, and his va- death. And not vampire, just killed. Yeah, just shot in the head. Yeah. He couldn't be trusted. And so she's investigating his death, and along the way, she encounters Blade and learns about the secret world of vampires. And rather quickly in the series, she is turned into a vampire yeah. by Marcus Van Skyver. And she becomes Blade's inside man. She, well, becomes, she, be, his, she goes becomes undercover. A, she becomes a double agent, and she is a way more interesting character than Blade, and I like her arc way more than Blade. Mm-hmm. She gets all of the drama. Yeah. Uh, she has all of the big moments. Yeah. Uh, she has uh, you know, the, the better actorly scenes. Blade just has to be sort of this enforcer. He's a, you know, a badass with a sword. He's just sort of charging into rooms saying, you know, tell me where the, the ash is and you know, holding people at knife point. Yeah. Uh, she's the one who you know, has to deal with her feelings for Marcus Van Skyver. She's the one who has to deal with the fact that this guy killed her brother. She has to deal with the fact that she's turning into a vampire. A blood addict for yeah, all and, purposes. And that she's secretly giving herself injections 
functions, so she's not so addicted to blood. Mm -hmm. She's played by Jill Wagner, who was on shows like Teen Wolf and Punk. She was in the movie Splinter, which is not talked about very often, but is a very good low-budget horror movie. And she also hosted uh, the reality game show series Wipeout. She's good. She's good. And you know what else? Just a a passing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it just me, or does she look a lot like Clark Wolf? Like, little, certain yeah, angles. Yeah, I could see it. I was yeah. just like, Clark starred in this? What? <laughs> oh, no, it's Jill Wagner. Like, every once in a while, I get this weird yeah. cognitive dissonance. Um, Clark Wolf is, you know, wonderful online personality. Mm. She's a team champion of the movie trivia Schmoda. She's amazing. But just Jill Wagner looks a little like her. Um, but yeah, she, she not only has all the big dramatic moments and plays them well, she's also very game. She realizes she's on Spike TV, so they give her a lot of cheesecake. So a lot, 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 lot of scenes they of her do. like in underpants, or there's even a scene where she strips naked and gets into like a pool of blood. And she's game to do it, and I think she knows exactly well, what the show is. So I think, she, she seems okay with it. And I think when it I think oftentimes when she is in those positions, it's shown as an element of vulnerability rather than lasciviousness. Yeah, or if, if it is lascivious, she's she's doing it for like as a function. It's like mm-hmm. she has to look that way to distract somebody, or mm-hmm. you know, she's using her sexuality because she's in charge of it. It's still prurient, but her character is multifaceted enough that mm-hmm. I think the show mostly gets away with it. Mostly. What I think it is, is on actually, Spike TV. What I think is really clever about Blade the series, and what I think is a really smart thing they could have done, because this could have just been Blade and a couple of sidekicks fighting vampires every week. And that would have been fine. There's plenty of shows like that that go just, on for Just would have been pretty pretty low concept. This is a one season story arc yeah. show. But what you really what I think what they did was really, really smart by introducing a new character who actually goes through a different experience than Blade and lets us witness what's actually going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. and what it's like to be a vampire. What's it like to join the vampire yeah. culture? What's it like to lose your humanity and have do it, have people explain to you like oh you miss your family it's really really sad yeah we'll get over that in a couple it, it, hundred it, years it was and it was handled way better in this show than it was in kindred the embraced yes it was because they because they took the time to invite you in yeah we reviewed kindred the embrace which was this aaron spelling vampire soap opera show ambitious and unusual for its time in the mid 90s mm-hmm. really wasn't anything quite like it but they dumped so much exposition on you. Especially right at the head. Like, it's like the, the first five, six, seven episodes is nothing but exposition. It's like it's like, it's it, like it, it, starting it, to watch The Wire halfway through season four. And you're just like, <laughs> wait, what's going on? Who are all these people? And they never stop to tell you. Like uh, the last couple episodes when they finally had abandoned the human cop character just pretty mm-hmm. much all together. And it was just about the relationship between the human and the vampire. That's where we start with Blade the series. Yeah, where we, the human is finally letting us in. Yeah, and uh, and it's a it's it's, it's not you know it's not uh, high storytelling or anything, but at least they do it right for goodness sake. Yeah. So the stories involved. Um, again, I can't really pick apart the individual episodes. I said there's a like a pattern to each one, but we're yeah, gonna go in. A, here's the they're deal. They're so similar; it's hard to tell them apart. Here's the deal. Episodes of Blade the series uh, often flow into each other. There's a few that stand out. They're a flashback episode or they involve a particular external villain. But they're actually a pretty straightforward narrative. So going through it episode by episode is kind of pointless. We're going to deal with it kind of. We'll start with the pilot. It was a two-hour presentation. Um, it, It One of the most notable aspects of it is they brought in a special guest star to sort of Jazz up the joint and give it some respectability. <laughs> so, in addition to all most of these respectable pe- actor imaginable, somebody who's never had any problems in the public, Randy Quaid. 
who's just sort of in a scene. You know, here's the deal. Randy Quaid, mm. in his personal life, has revealed himself to be... Oh. Is, is maniac a good word? He's a very unusual he's, gentleman. He's a little unstable. Yeah, he, yeah, he's lived a strange life. He's also given a lot of really good performances. Yeah, like he's he's been a really good actor. He, he's often in movies that aren't good and don't ask much of him. Mm-hmm. But like even everything from like I'm trying to think of like a good dramatic performances. But like you look at him in the vacation movies, he knows what he's doing there. He gives mm-hmm. a good performance there, and here he plays uh, what. Uh, they would call and save the cat the half man character when uh Krista Starr is like looking into vampires and she can't trust Blade she goes to find an outside source and she meets Randy Quaid who's a vampire expert he also name drops Moon Knight which I thought was kind of fun and yeah. I thought maybe we we're gonna get Moon Knight later we never will um I kind of hope we never get Moon Knight like that's the like that's the Moon Knight that's the last one you know it's it's the the one one. it's the one we should never touch Sleepwalker is the last one there should there should at least be one that we never touch for for just for no reason at all just to keep it out of everything I've chosen Sleepwalker Sleepwalker we're gonna go with Sleepwalker Sleepwalker will stay out okay we're done with Sleepwalker (laughs) uh but Randy Quaid explains vampires and stuff to her and he gives like actually like Kind of a creepy performance of a guy who knows about the horrors of the world, is completely shut in, like mm-hmm. surrounded by weapons and weird demonic historic paraphernalia. He does imply that werewolves do exist, which which would have been cool to get to at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Like season two would have been introducing werewolves or something. It, that would it, be kind it was of neat. Com- complicated enough as is. Yeah, so. I think I think they they bit off enough to chew in the first mm-hmm. season, but it laid groundwork for for further complications down the road. He's fine. He. Never never comes back mm. and that's probably the only noteworthy thing about it other than yeah it sets up all this stuff <laughs> um marcus van skyver is the head of the house of Cathan. it's not much of a house because it's populated by people who are turned into vampires and not purebloods mm-hmm. and he has to answer to all of these purebloods who really talk down to him and make him feel like shit so he has all of these schemes and it seems in the pilot like his scheme <coughs> is to create a new strain of the vampire gene or a new, Mm. he calls it a a vaccine, which is basically a vaccine against sunlight and silver. It would basically make every vampire blade. Yeah. Which is potentially very threatening. He has two plans because, and they eventually introduce a secondary thing that would kill pure bloods. Well, that's like really, I was going to explain how that happened, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's like, the it's, twist. It's, it's, well, it's yeah, late in the series, but yeah. Yeah. So initially, he has been hired by Pure Bloods in order to fund this research. He's he's described as the Donald Trump of Detroit. <laughs> but he's he's very rich, and he's funding all this research to create super vampires. And for the first several episodes, it's Blade versus super vampires. While Krista discovers what it's like to be a vampire, mm-hmm. and. Um, she has to turn her first vampire as a corrupt cop who goes on a killing spree and she feels really guilty about it. Um, and the, it's early on the series, too, that we discover this weird wrinkle that when you kill a vampire, they kind of melt into ash. And people have been gathering up that ash and it, and using it as a drug. Yeah, they've been snorting vampire ash and getting like a little bit of vampire powers. So it's actually a fun little idea I haven't really I, seen before. I, I, I haven't I, seen that before. I have. Snorting vampire ash? Well, well, taste the blood of Dracula. They drink it and turn into vampire vampires. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll grant you Taste so, the Blood of Dracula. But like, <laughs> Taste the Blood of Dracula is a, a Hammer movie from the 70s. Back in the Hammer days, they would always kill Dracula, and then they'd have to spend like the first half hour of every subsequent movie trying to find a way to resurrect them. Mm. And one of the weirder ones was they used Dracula's corpse leavings 
as, as, a, drug. as a drug. Yeah, yeah, which admittedly is fun. That, and and Dr- Dracula's blood was a powder because he he's just old and dried out. Yeah, fluids are important. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so yeah, so so there's these drug dealers that have been killing vampires, and Blade's kind of fine with that. Mm. He's like, okay, you're doing all the other people in his community who he has to deal with, and they're just like, what about you going to do anything about all these drug dealers? No, they're killing vampires. They're hurting the community. I don't care. They're killing vampires. That's, <laughs> that's my job. That's like asking like someone who works at ATF to like mm. fix the school board. Like, no, that's not my job. <laughs> I do this thing. This oh. is what I'm good at. Um. But, uh, yeah, so that's where, going where, on. Where does Blade get money for groceries? He, I don't know if he needs groceries. Does he just eat blood? Well, he has that He has that serum. Well, and does he pay Lee? Sir, play, I don't know. Uh, Nelson Lee, does he play, play the... They never really talk about money. Yeah, the, I'm reminded of a line in Doctor Who where um, yeah. the Doctor might have been stranded in one time forever. Mm-hmm. And he suddenly realized, oh, I'm going to have to get money. I've always been kind of hazy on this on how money works. Like I've never really needed it before. I always just sort of got by. Uh, I'm gonna need some. How do I get money? Like I assume they have something. Some of the mm. when they they steal the wallets of vampires that it, they kill. You and know? like a lot of these adventure shows, it never bothers to get into the nitty gritty of like how they actually live. Like we don't see like Blade's bedroom or anything. I actually really liked in the Supernatural how they covered that. And the mm. idea is that you know the the Winchester brothers who are driving across the country and just fighting one American folklore villain after another. Um, they live like con artists. They're constantly pulling credit card scams oh, and they okay. have lots of fake IDs. And <laughs> they do talk about that. Like that's, that's how they're making ends meet is they're conning people. Yeah. Okay, so that at least it's covered. It's covered. They they And yeah. it leads to fun little bits and bobs down the road mm-hmm. as things get complicated. So... Um, but Blade, yeah, Blade gets by on serum, and yeah, it's, you know what would have been kind of cool is if you discovered later on in the series that he has a financial backer because all that shit that he makes, mm-hmm. like that or, costs yeah. money. Is he like, getting this money to melt silver swords and stuff? Yeah, he's just like, got like some rich dude, or he's, can, he's got a Patreon account. <laughs> <laughs> Remember to subscribe to Blade. <laughs> One dollar subscribers, thank you very much. Five dollar subscribers, one vampire a year for you. I, I scratch your name into them before I kill them. <laughs> my my one hundred dollar subscribers, I will go after the vampire of your choice. <laughs> one fang per customer. Um, <laughs> he's got a Patreon. I, I would rather he's just like a bank thief. Like he's also a bad guy. Just a bank robber. He steals everything he needs. Um, one of the first storylines we run into in Blade the series is actually kind of neat. Um, you know how Blade has these very specific tattoos all over his body? Mm. They never really explain it. They're just cool tattoos. And it turns out those tattoos are tattoos that are shared by members of a gang. Right. Every member of a gang gets these tattoos. So Blade... So this is all we get in in by way of an origin story, and it's great because uh-huh. it doesn't explain well, anything big. Well, we have two origin stories. We eventually see him as a kid. Well, uh, we do see him as a kid. But this yeah. is the first bit we see is that there was a time in Blade's life before he was killing vampires, but after he found out he was a vampire, mm. that he wasn't living his best life. Yeah. And he was killing a lot of people, and he turned an entire street gang into a gang of vampires Mm. uh and they're still around and they're still starting shit and they're trying to become a legitimate house now and they are led by bokeem woodbine who is actually a very good actor it's always nice to see him he was recently an overlord 
Um, and yeah, he plays a guy Blade turned when Blade was like a teenager. And now, yeah, he's got a lot of bad blood against Blade. The episode is called uh, Bloodlines, but mm. Bad Blood is uh, the name of the group that they're in. So it makes sense. They fight. I'm not very creative with the names in this universe. Yeah. I, I carry around swords. What do you call myself? I call myself Blade. Well, like the puppet and puppet master? No, no, no. It's much cooler. I'm, I'm the cool Blade. You mean like that guy from Masters of the Universe, the movie? No, 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 no. Cool, cooler than that. Cool. Like, can you come up with something better than Blade? Look, did you see Manaha, a man called Blade, in that one Blue Underground box set? <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a bit obscure for most people, Blade. But yes, I did see that movie. I also know that Manaha actually means hatchet. No, <laughs> so I fine. don't know what to tell you. Fine, I'm Hatchet. I'm Vampire Hatchet. What do you want? If you've never seen the uh, spaghetti western Manaha Man Called Blade, mm-hmm. it's spectacular and it has some of the best songs in any western movie <laughs> ever. I don't ever. know. I've seen Cat Blue. <laughs> I've, I've seen Paint Your Wagon. Nope. No, it's not a musical Manaha. It just has a great song score. It's really fucking amazing. Um, so anyway, Blade's fighting the bad bloods. Krista's tracking down uh, this cop who's gone on a killing spree. Uh, also, Blade has discovered that there is a pregnant woman who is in league with the vampires. And I don't know why. And I think maybe she's going to give birth to some kind of super vampire baby. But it turns out they're using her womb to incubate evil vampire goo. It's kind of gross. It's super gross and weird. And it's like you don't know why. And there's a cool bit in this episode, actually, where there's like this fight on a train and vampires are crawling around the ceiling of a oh, train. Yeah, Every once in a while, there's a really neat action sequence. I'll give them that. Mm-hmm. They actually have some fun with it. Uh, one of my favorite sequences that was um, where the action scene is happening in the apartment next door. Like we start with the, the obligatory nude scene where there's just a couple having sex in a bed and there's nudity and they're having fun, sexy times. And they hear some thumping on the wall, and they're like, oh, hang on, hang on, we gotta stop having sex. Hey, what's going on? And then a, a, a person is like, bur- like flies through the wall. It's like Vivian and, and the young ones just bursting through the wall. <laughs> and, uh, and now the fight is in that room. <laughs> and, everyone, and the naked people Very, run away. And yeah. It's a fun little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay, so where are we going from here? Meanwhile, Krista has been having trouble because her. She's still family members who are alive, and she's had to completely abandon them. Because she's a vampire now. But then she finds out that her mother is dying, and I think it's cancer? Do they say it's cancer? I don't remember. She's dying. Mm. And she goes to visit her, and in a fit of grief, whatever you want to call it, she turns her mother into a vampire. Mm. This is a bad idea for a lot of reasons. (laughs) Her mother goes missing. Starts biting people, kills Krista's uncle, so now mm. she's like the only person left in her family. And uh, her mother starts just going off of this horrible killing spree, which I did not see coming. That was actually kind of a cool little subplot. And I, mm. I liked how it dealt with, I like that Krista gets to go through a lot of the classical vampire drama. Mm. You know, the drama of uh, loneliness, of fearing being turned into a monster, the temptation to eat people. There's this, there's an episode where after she actually eats some people, Blade has to throw her into like a cell so she can be detoxed. Yeah. So she can go back on the serum and not just be evil, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, a good, it's a, good scene. A fair thing. Yeah. Um, I wish I, they had interacted more. She Blade and, and Krista? Yeah. Well, I guess they had like sort of... 
their own sort of individual stories. Krista's story was the one that sort of kept the whole series together. She kind of could have carried the whole movie on uh, her own. Really. Yeah, the whole series on her own. Series, but, um, right. Whereas Blade was the one providing all the action. Yeah. So it was like two shows going on you simultaneously. You know what it is? It's well. notorious. But you get to see what Cary Grant is doing while Ingrid Bergman is oh, like married into this house of evil bastards. That, that, that's that's a fair comparison. I think it is. Uh, oh my God, Blade is notorious. Blade, Blade, Blade the series. Blade is the series is notorious. The series. Wow, that's kind of funny. Um, I can't believe I only just put that together. That's <laughs> really fucking funny. Um, uh, also. Uh, Blade, we find out uh, uh, some more about when he was a child and his father was trying to raise him. And it was trying to raise him right, but Blade just kept wanting that blood. <laughs> Goes off to play chess in the park and then just bears his fangs and starts running around like a monster. And uh, goes real bad. He kills a whole bunch of people and he thinks he kills his dad, but he actually didn't kill his dad, uh-huh. which is a huge mm-hmm. thing. It kind of doesn't go very well. It doesn't really go very far. Like it turns out, his dad is like, "Oh, you're not really my dad." Oh, okay, cool. The the, the and and uh, he's played by uh, Richard Roundtree. You're right; he was played. So yeah. so Shaft is Blade's dad. But that makes perfect sense to me. I'm, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That works mm-hmm. wonders. Um, so as the series starts going into its second half. The House of Cthon starts taking over the whole plot. And there's like a couple little side bits. There's one where Blade runs into like a serial killer who's been doing Oh, that's serial such killers. a stupid episode. It's a terrible episode. The it's, serial killer isn't even scary. They put this big a, goofy mask on him. It's a vampire. He's already a serial killer. Why are you making it like a thing? And it's the most predictable it's, thing in the world. And oh, and is it the one guy it obviously is? No, it's literally the only other character in the series. <laughs> literally the only other guy. Come and, it's, on. and it's one of those cicada killers. Like, and he kills a bunch and goes... It's like, weren't there three of those on Kolchak the Night Stalker? I think about there were the, at least three yeah, guys the, who would just hibernate for 40 years and, and then, come back. Yeah, come, out, come back and like eat livers or whatever it is they needed to do. And so then it's a grand tradition again. is what we're saying. Yeah. Um, but mostly what happens is we're starting to really build up to this big epic showdown where we start finding out more about Marcus Van Skyver and we realize that he hates purebloods that they turn him into a vampire and we see a flashback to his past when he first became a vampire uh-huh, which and is was, a real fucking tragedy uh, and they did and horrible was, things to his was, wife right in front of him he was sh- shaken down by vampire thugs in the old west i yeah. guess i guess yeah it was it was oregon so yeah it was the old west yeah and uh, and the the guy who turned him into a vampire and brutalized his wife is now currently his boss yeah, still still around and giving him orders. So he has been taking all of this uh, uh, money and resources they've been giving him to come up with this vaccine against sunlight and silver, and he's been using it to fund the creation of a virus that will only kill pure blood vampires. Mm. And he's using it to he's going to release it all at like a big ceremony thing they're going to do in the last episode. Meanwhile, his uh, sidekick Grace, who is completely jealous of his relationship with Krista. Um, and is, I think, actually a rather interesting character. I think mm. she does everything she can with a rather confusing role in which her allegiances are constantly being tested. Or she's constantly pretending to she's, be allied with the purebloods, but she's not really, and blah, blah, it, it, blah. Uh, it's such an... Un- this, uh, I always hate those characters because writers think they're interesting. Mm. Or, or producers think they're... It's like, you never know where their allegiance lies. You, they're really untrustworthy, so we don't really know who the character is, do we? Mm-hmm. We don't understand their motivations from any scene to scene. It's like, oh, but it's the, they're, they, writers think they're versatile. You know, you can change them around in any given scene. 
Uh, do you remember uh, the last Indiana Jones film, the Ray Winston character? Oh yeah, you just—it's like he, no. It turns out I was working for these guys. No, but I was working for these guys instead. I was—it's like no. Well, who the hell are you working for? That's a, not fun or a, interesting a at all. A character who works really, really well like that is actually a Snape from the Harry Potter movies, because mm-hmm. you find out at the end of his story exactly who it was the whole time and it tracks. Mm. Like it looked like he was being deceptive, but no, he was always had this motive and it, every single thing he ever did makes sense. He was always consistent. Oh. He just looked inconsistent from the outside. Okay. That you can get away with. You just have to know exactly who the character is and eventually you have to clarify it. Right. They never really do with Grace. Mm. Um, and that's frustrating, but I think the actor does the her chase. Chase, not Grace. She yeah. does the best she can. The, the, yeah. I'm always bad with character names. Mm. She does the best she can with the material, and I think mm. she makes it as compelling as, a pot, mm. as she possibly can. There's a fun vampire character who shows up in the second half. She's a pure blood who's in charge of everything, and she's oh. basically <laughs> Kirsten Dunst from Interview the Vampire. Mm. She's, she's a pure blood vampire, but she's, but she's like 14 years old. Oh, not even 14. She's like 12. She's like, no. <laughs> like she's just like. You know, middle school, mm. and that's all she'll ever be for at least for at least like centuries. I don't know how fast vampires age, and that's a fun, creepy idea for a character. I think the actor doesn't always have that soulfulness. Like you know, like when you look at like Dakota Fanning when mm. she was really young, and she's just like or, she's or, got an old soul. Or Jackie Cooper. We were just yeah. talking about Jackie Cooper. Yeah, Jackie Cooper back in the '30s in movies like Skippy or The Champ, and you're just like. They have an old soul. I buy that they would be like, if you wanted to play like a 40-year-old in a child's body or a 100-year-old child's body, that kid could do it. She does okay. <laughs> she, the idea of the character is better than the actual character. Yeah, the idea is creepy. The, 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 it, uh, they cast her for the visual more than they did for the notion of the character. They didn't write her very well, but yeah, just the, the idea of watching this young girl ordering around all these big butt like tough mean looking monsters mm-hmm. bring me an infant yeah and they just um yum mm. 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 yeah she she doesn't seem very monstrous it's just sort of they wanted a kid reading those lines it's a and they got one and it was yeah. a sort of thing where it's just like you know that character can't last long because that actor is going to age too fast right. so you know she's probably going to die before the end of the season and the other character in the show who I haven't brought up because he literally goes nowhere there's an F, there's like an FBI agent who's like tracking down oh, everything from God. the side. I totally forgot about He's that such guy. A bad character. So like, there's this guy who's uh, what's, on what's the even outside. His name, I, right? There's a guy who is like on the outside and he's tracking down. He's learning about all these vampires and all these hey, mysterious. Agent Ray Collins, nice nondescript name, and played by uh, actor Larry Poindexter. So he is. On his way to, he's like on a collision course. We know mm. he's going to meet Blade and or Krista and or Van Skyver eventually. And he's just kind of organically finding out all this stuff. Mm. You know, he's just investigating some murders. They're mysterious. And he's starting to put one, two and two together and realize that there are vampires. The episode where he finally teams up with Blade is the episode where he dies. <laughs> it's a good thing you teamed up with Blade He added nothing yeah. You can't do that There's this trope And it's usually in horror movies Where there's a character on the outside Who is on their way to save the day Okay uh, You look at someone like Scatman Crothers In okay. The Shining Or uh, that one guy who was tracking down Terry O'Quinn and the stepfather mm. And the suspense is Are they going to make it in time? And they always make it just when the shit hits the fan, and then they always die. But 
In arriving, they brought with them something the hero can use to save themselves. In the case of Scatman Crothers in The Shining, it was a snowcat. Mm-hmm. So that Shelley Duvall and her son could escape yeah. in the end and not die in the winter. In the case of the stepfather, he brought a gun, which they could use to kill the stepfather. This guy brings nothing. <laughs> he adds nothing. You take out his subplot fa- and the entire series is the same. My favorite uh, play on that trope was in the Japanese movie House. Oh, yeah. Where the, oh, the, the, <laughs> because the weirdest thing happens to that guy. And yeah. I don't want to tell you what it is because it's the weirdest thing. They, the, their teacher. So House is this Japanese cult movie and it's yeah. Fucking astounding! And it's about a group <laughs> make of, your eyeballs melt. It's about it's a so group great. of schoolgirls who move to this, who go to this weird house for like a vacation weekend or whatever, mm. and it's haunted as fuck. But it's all haunted in ways that make absolutely no sense. Like, oh, this watermelon is now a severed head. Damn! Now it's biting my butt. And now you, what? <laughs> this this piano is hungry for some reason. Yeah, piano yeah. ate my fingers, and the cat in this penny. Like, and then they, they're always talking about this teacher who's going to show up later in the weekend. You know he's going to show up and save the day. Mm. And the thing that happens instead, I want you to imagine to yourself, what sort of unexpected thing could happen? You have not guessed. (laughs) I guarantee if you haven't seen this movie, there is not a chance in hell that you have guessed what happens to this character. And you need to check it out. How is it available in the Criterion Collection? Yep. uh, If you have Filmstruck, I think it might still be available on that service. It's still on Filmstruck for the next four days. It's as not of this, too late. as of this recording, four more days of film struck. Hauzu is one of the ultimate cult movies. Mm. Those movies where if you think you like cult movies and you haven't seen Hauzu, I don't mm. want to be like a gatekeeper, but <laughs> let me open that gate for you. Come on in. Hauzu is a great experience to I, have and share with others. I have no problems with gatekeeping. It's it goes hand in hand with just the notion of expertise. So it, I, I think it's fine. I, I don't want to be exclusionary. I just want to invite no. people through the door. Right, right. I don't I don't want to keep the guy. I don't want to say you can't come in. I want to say mm. come on in mm. and check out Hauzu mm. because it's a delight and it's <laughs> weird and you've literally never seen anything like it. I I look forward to people seeing Hauzu and then getting back to me and going, what the fuck was that? I'm like, I don't know, but wasn't it great? And I, they're like, yeah. I can tell you stories about its making. It doesn't explain much. Doesn't explain anything. <laughs> Started off as a Jaws knockoff. How? The score was completed, I think, seven years before they shot the movie. <laughs> anyway, we're That's why the music doesn't work at all. Blade leads to a big confrontation between Marcus Van Skyver and the Purebloods, and it turns out the Purebloods have been working with Chase They'd undermined his entire plan to kill them all, and they're going to kill Marcus Van Skyver. But of course, Blade shows up, and they're all fighting each other. Fighty, fighty, fight, fight, fighty, fighty, fight, fight, fighty, fighty, fight, fight. The action scenes are they're passable. They're fine. They're most every once in a while. There's a cool one. Mostly they're generic dudes fighting in hallways, and they're reasonably well put together. But there's not a lot to them. There's no dramatic stakes to them other than we hope the bad guy loses. It's a lot, a lot of boots and pants music yeah boots and pants and boots and pants and boots and pants yeah um bumping the table sorry it it ends with marcus van skyver killing the pure bloods and running off with krista and uh, uh, we we failed to mention they they did like sort of fall in love they hooked up and you couldn't tell like how much is krista actually into him is it this sort of thing where they have this weird emotional connection because they share blood now like literally magic blood um but or is she still undercover but just really deep undercover and 
it seems like she's just really deep undercover. That's I, I think I see I, nothing. I, you, you see a lot of her like struggling with her identity because she's like is falling so deep undercover that she's forgetting who she is. And, and all, all credit all to Jill Wagner stuff, for making yeah. that work. Yeah, yeah, she really convinces the entire way through. She's mm. a really good performance. Um, I, I don't understand why she didn't turn into a bigger star. I mean, I realize people she, didn't she watch does, the show, she but does, she's really good at it. But she does everything perfectly capably in this show. Yeah. Like, she gives the emotional performance. She does, uh, you know, all of these weird, wacky things. She gets to read fantasy dialogue. Mm-hmm. She does it all with perfect She kicks bomb. butt. Yeah. Like, she's, she's cool. She has a few action scenes and then yeah. you know, she has the cheesecake stuff. So, yeah, she, she's just she's, doing it all. Yeah, it's a really great lead performance mm-hmm. and it should have led to bigger things. I know she's still working and I'm glad she's still working. She should be at, at least she would have in, made, it, headlining other big genre TV shows. She would have made a good Wonder Woman. She'd been a good Wonder Woman. Yeah. She'd have been a good star of the Resident Evil movie. She'd have been a good, star, <laughs> you know, like I'm just saying. Well, those they, were always all, we, all like in full swing by 2006. I know. My point is that she could have a franchise like that at oh, least okay. minimum. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it ends. With Blade coming away with a pretty satisfying victory, Marcus Van Skyver and Krista leave, and at the end, Marcus Van Skyver like is in Blade's lair. He's like, mm-hmm. so this is where he lives. And Krista's like, oh yeah, hey, how do you know where this guy is? Oh, I know that you're an undercover agent. I've known all along. Ah, oh, darling, credits. darling, I've always known. Yeah, it, it's it's presented in such a blasé fashion. I thought that I was missing an episode off of the disc. Yeah, like I really, thought that wasn't really the conclusion. It's really kind of a mega lame cliffhanger. Yeah, it seems like it should be a cool cliffhanger, but actually, it's a mega lame cliffhanger because it's only the one thing. It's the and one it's thing, and random. it's only between those two characters. Yeah. It doesn't have further repercussions for the rest of the story. Like, what you want is like you want like Chase and a couple of vampires and Krista to escape mm. and someone's like, oh, I don't trust her. And, Blade, and Marcus and Scott was like, oh, she's a double agent I've known all the time, mm. but I have plans. Dun, 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 dun. And, like, <laughs> and shakes hands with a werewolf. You need like no. other things. You can't have oh, just they, that they, one They release the deal. vampire virus and it turns people into mummies or something. And you know, just whatever you got. You needed, something really dramatic You happens, needed a so. bigger cliffhanger in order to justify because this, here's the thing with this show. Blade the series... Mm. It's competent. It's it's fine and nothing beyond that. It's it's a fine show. You could watch it. You can have a good time. It it should be a better binge. It doesn't really have big emotional highs and lows except occasionally with Jill Wagner's character. Um, so like it doesn't really take you anywhere truly exciting mm. or deeply involving. However. It's reasonably well made. I've seen a hell of a lot worse action shows. The cast is pretty good, especially the two leads. Mm. Um, The action's okay. Um, But yeah, it never goes that extra step and does that one super interesting thing. I think it starts off okay. Yeah. A couple of cool ideas right at the beginning. I like the vampire ash. I like... Uh, you know, that weird mystery with the pregnant girl, which doesn't go, it really didn't go where I thought it was going to go. I like the whole undercover vampire angle that I hadn't seen before. That was kind of neat. And then it just didn't really have anywhere super interesting to take it. They needed a bravura climax. Cause like you're watching well, or, it. I'm like, I might as well stick with this show to the end. It's like or, just that I, good. But well, then the, you want to reward you with the, a big thing. The twist that the bad guy was secretly working. Like, who already had motivation because he, he hated pure bloods 
And we kind of heard that constantly throughout the series. So when the big reveal came that he was working on this virus to kill purebloods, it wasn't really that big a twist. No, it's, it wasn't it's, like a, a reversal of some kind. Like if he had been working on a virus it's, that it's different would, from what we expected, but it's not like ah, I don't it, believe it. It needed it needed uh, you know in screenwriterly terms bigger stakes. Uh, it needed, <laughs> uh, see what I did there? Vampires. Uh, vampire. Stake. They they needed something like something more cliched to be perfectly frank they need yeah. something world threatening yeah. something like they okay we have a you know the nerve agent we're going to release in the world or we have you know a bomb in the center of the planet whatever well, it is you got because, it doesn't matter it doesn't because, matter how cliched we needed something along those lines because the idea to make it seem like we were growing to something rather than just doing more vampire you're stuff. 100% correct and yeah you're right this is the problem with that ending What's at stake in that ending? Either Marcus Van Skyver is going to kill all the purebloods, which whether or not we like Marcus Van Skyver, the purebloods are fucking evil. Like, no, unrependently evil. We evils. don't like them. The hero doesn't like them. So, the like, heroine kinda, doesn't like so them. So we kind of want him to do it. Yeah. And then if he doesn't do it, well, he's evil. So I guess that's okay. And what are the purebloods going to do? Well, the purebloods think they're going to get this cool vaccine, but we know they're not. So, yeah, there isn't a lot at stake. Yeah. <laughs> there needs to be, like, something like, and then... The purebloods have this thing, and it's going to kill us all. There needs to be another ticking clock in and, there and to, and to be that affects frank, someone other outside that room. Yeah, well, to, yeah, to be perfectly frank, I don't care enough about Marcus Van Skyver. First yeah. of all, don't name him Van Skyver. Uh-huh. At least he wasn't named Kane. There's, that was another character. Yeah. There's, there was a Kane in this one. Every every fantasy TV show, especially with vampires, has a character named Kane. Yeah. There's always going to be a Kane somewhere in there. But... Uh, yeah, he, he wasn't that interesting a character. I don't think he was. The actor wasn't bringing a lot of oomph to it. Like his, if he had like had some villainy to him, I think he I actually had... liked Chase better than him because mm-hmm. like she, the actress was at least trying to give some personality to that role. I think so, and I think she was more upfront with her vulnerabilities, with her mm-hmm. jealousies, and with her fears and with her insecurities about being, you know, not a pure blood and why she wanted to be part of that circle. Mm-hmm. She brought that out. I think with Marcus Van Skyver, they thought all they really had to do was, uh-huh. oh, I know. Uh-huh. We'll make him a businessman. And uh, we'll make hey. him, we'll, we'll base him off of Donald Trump. Uh-huh. Uh, that's old. Hell, <laughs> Dracula the series I was did about that. to say, was he Al, a Alucard? Yeah, if you may recall, like, God, kind of close to when we started the series, we did a show called Dracula the series, mm-hmm. uh, which had... Another blonde, pale, big businessman modeled after Donald Trump <laughs> villain version of Dracula. Mm. He was a lot better Dracula. He was a better Dracula. He was a better villain. He was more funny. He was more sexy. <laughs> um, I really liked him on that show. The show was a mixed bag, but I thought the Dracula was pretty damn good. Mm. Um, and this guy just doesn't have the gravitas. If you're going to play an immortal monster evil dude you gotta have presence and the guy or, that got playing Marcus Skyver he's okay but he's not lead villain like, in you, a you, show like this good to, to his credit he gives very good vampire face yes uh, I've, I've, I've talked a lot about vampire face and how some act like in, you know, you know the face, that that kind of growly face, and some actors can do that really well, and some can't. I feel like Dracula from Dracula series had really bad vampire face. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barbara, I think the visual effects held him back in on that one. Uh, he just well, that, didn't have good true. makeup, and uh, maybe not. But you know, he just 
gave bad vampire face and, and, uh, and Barnabas Collins. Like he looked like he was oh, crying he, oh, every time he gave his vampire the, face. The Dark Shadows reboot. The Dark Shadows the reboot, reboot it, yeah. He's actually really good performance, but yeah, that vampire face always looked ridiculous. <laughs> so the vampires in this in this show, pretty unilaterally across the board, all had good vampire face. And yeah. I appreciate that. And I um, like that they But you're, if you're going to have him mm. be that sort of super powerful Dracula, you know, entrepreneurial type, yeah, you either cast somebody with more presence or you play counter to it. And you play up sort of like his maybe his wimpiness. Oh, unassuming. Yeah. DJ Qualls. Yeah, there you he go. Some, a great some, evil vampire lord. Or, or somebody who's a little bit more flip, like somebody like Deacon Frost. Yeah. <laughs> from, from the first Blade movie. Casual dude. Mm. I will say this. I like the Blade the series um, rather organically. Because if you look at the Blade movies... Uh-huh. The vampires are not very well characterized throughout. They're pretty superficial. Deacon Frost. He's okay, but he really he has no depth to him. He's just got he's just a charismatic version of generic evil. I, I suppose he wants so, to be but... an all powerful vampire. Why? Because he'll be an all powerful vampire. That's kind of what his thing. Mm. There's not a lot of depth to it. I think Blade the series. Stephen Dorff is a, a blast to watch. Though. He's he brings out the character. I'll yeah. grant you that. I don't think it's there on the page. I think Steven Dorff is a good actor and he brought out that character. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are attempts to evoke some real depth or pathos throughout that series. You look at um, the main bad guy from Blade 2 and how he feels betrayed by his father because he got turned into that monster. They're trying, They're they trying. fail. Here, and partially because it's a series and we get to spend some real time with them, and we get to spend time with them when they're not doing evil shit and they're just mm-hmm. hanging around the office being petty. That helps, and that gives you this sort of humanizing quality. And I admire that Blade the series managed to humanize the vampires, make okay. them real, make them petty, make them funny, make them sexy, make them romantic, without taking away the fact that they're threatening. That's fair. Yeah, that's, that's hard that, that's, to do. Yeah. That is hard to do, and I will give Blade the series a lot of credit for having its cake and eating it too. You get to sympathize with the vampires, but I'm, also they're, they're scary. But they're and still evil. monsters. Yeah, okay. that's hard to do. I'm going to give a lot of credit for that. Okay. If Blade the series had lasted Fair. 100 I, episodes, you'd think that would be like just the birthright of any vampire drama, but they don't think. do it with everyone, they so don't. clearly it's hard to do. It's a struggle. You don't want mm. a lot of people want to humanize them too much. Mm. Look at Twilight. A lot of people want to uh, monsterize them too much. They don't well, find the balance. Well, I, I don't. You can monsterize vampires well, if you too much. You want them to be a character, I suppose, as opposed so. to just a snarling beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. So, if Blade the series had lasted hundred episodes, mm-hmm. I think they really would have needed to take more stuff from the comics. Well, they they would have needed to, as as we just said, up the stakes a little bit. Season two needed to be about the end of the world mm-hmm. or some sort of plot to resurrect Dracula again, or uh, some New monsters. You already introduced the idea of werewolves. Yeah. Bring in werewolves. Bring in werewolves, mm. aliens from another dimension, deep ones, you know, there, there elder needs, gods. We need to be able to use the whole season, if this is the, the type of storytelling you're going with, to use the entire season to build to something really, really big. Yeah. Some sort of, again, even if it's cliched, even if it's, okay, we're going to do a ritual and we're going to try to unleash Cthulhu and it's going to be closed at the last minute. That's all predictable, but at least that's a, a story structure that works. Yeah, at least it's something we mm. don't want to happen and we yeah. want them to stop it, but we know it's going to be hard. That's kind of it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, here's here's the great thing when you're watching, like, an action movie or or any other, mm-hmm. like, a horror movie or any other thing where you have to stop the thing before it blows up or sucks right. the world into another dimension or whatever. You know that 99 times out of 100, the heroes are going to stop it. Yeah. 
in a good one of those, the stakes are so high, the odds are so far against them that you don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah. That's it. When it's just like, I know they're going to get out of it, and I have no idea how, and then the solution presents itself, and it's not lame. It's yeah. not bat shark repellent like in Batman the movie, <laughs> which was lame on purpose. But regardless, you can't do that in a real well, a, serious story. A, you want to really get away with it. A film that did that exquisitely was the last Mission Impossible film. Yeah, where there's like eight things going on at once, and the stakes are getting higher and higher, and everybody's it's you know, hard to pull un- off. until Tom Cruise is literally hanging by his fingernails off of a cliff. It's like, how did we get here? I don't care. This is great. Yeah, yeah. but that's a hard thing to do, and yeah. not everything does it. And I don't think Blade nailed that. And I think if you, the other problem is that. He's, we've established long ago, before the the series even begins, mm. fighting vampires isn't really a big deal for Blade. <laughs> he just sort of takes he, care of them pretty he easily. He can obliterate a whole, like, rave club full of vampires all on his own. Uh-huh. You need bigger threats to him than just vampires. Mm. So, I think introducing non-vampire villains would test him. There you go. Yeah, they have strengths I don't have. Uh You know, it's not like, oh, I can do everything they can do, but I'm better. Uh Isn't really a great position to to put the threat in your protagonist. But if you have, like, characters who can do stuff he can't do, Mm. and he he went from being cock of the walk to cock of nothing, you've got some real stakes. So I think season two and onward, you need to start introducing other types of creatures. Yeah, or or a, a villain who's, like, Here's an idea. I don't think I've seen this in a vampire show or movie before, but mm. like there's a head vampire lurking somewhere and the Blade has to work his way like up the ranks through the vampire underworld to make it to this mysterious leader and it turns out the mysterious leader is the is... friends we made along the way? Yes. <laughs> the real vampire's family. Uh <laughs> No, it turns out it was just a human manipulating it all this time, and the reason he's in shadows is because he's been, like, passing the mantle from person to person. Well, that's kind of Ra's al Ghul from Batman Begins, but... Oh, I guess you're right. It still could be fun. But instead of ninjas, it's vampires. Well, I like the idea of vampires being led by humans without realizing it. Yeah. That's kind of a fun twist. You could do something hmm. like that. Um, but no, yeah, we, we need more interesting villains. We need more interesting stories. As mm-hmm. it is... Look, it's sadly it's right up the middle, it's and really just it's kind of and it's kind of frustrating to be there. So it's not like I'm having a bad time watching it, but I'm not getting a lot out of it either. So uh, the question remains: mm. Was Blade the series canceled too soon? I don't think so. No, you think this was good? I, yeah, like I, I have it. I'm good now. Mm. I, I enjoyed it. I thought we got some good performances at it, but I, I'm not so passionate that I want to see more. I'm frustrated because I see so much potential here, mm. and really nothing that we've seen in this first season precludes it from getting better and bigger. I suppose you're right. And that's my thing. My, my assumption see... is if they stayed at this level, yeah. then it, it, it would be useless. That's the trick. If it stays at this level, mm. I think we're just going to get this really generic, forgettable thing. I think if they use this as a springboard for something more interesting... We might have really missed out on something because I think Sticky Fingers is a good lead. Mm. I think Joe Wagner is a great lead. Yeah. Um, and I think just by just mentioning, you know, Moon Knight and Werewolves are out there, <laughs> you just establish there's other stuff. Uh-huh. We could get to it. Nice. If they get to it right away and open up the world a little bit and make it a little less kind of the same fight over and over again. Mm. Then I want more. Right. So I'm so really, for, really torn. First episode, season two, first scene. Introduce Moon Knight. He beats up a guy in an alleyway. And, That's it. And you think yes. it's Blade, but it's actually it's Moon actually Knight. Moon Knight. Now yeah. there's this other vigilante, and you start your story there. That'd be kind of cool. And mm-hmm. you have it like sort of like a team up kind of thing. It's like a twofer, or, or maybe they hate each other. Who, yeah. whatever like, it is. Whatever at the you end of the do. first season, they split up again, and maybe Moon Knight gets a spinoff. 
No. Cool. Is yeah. It, so no, I imagine, isn't that what they do with, like with with the Arrow? Yeah, shows? they keep introducing characters, and then like because like the Flash was introduced before he got his powers on Arrow for a couple episodes, and then was it the same actor? Oh yeah. Oh, fun. it was the whole thing. He was Barry Allen, and he was you know a forensic uh, uh, you know detective, mm-hmm. and he was really interested in all these super powered characters who kept popping up everywhere, and so he helped the Green Arrow like fight a super powered guy, and then in the first episode of his own series, he got superpowers. So, so he's already well equipped. <laughs> they, they, they do a really good job with that, actually. Mm-hmm. And all the Legends of Tomorrow got started on Arrow or the Flash, and okay. it worked. Um, it's a good system. Blake could have done it really, really easily. So, I think just f- I, I, you're saying it wasn't canceled too soon. I think it's totally valid mm-hmm. for the sake of the potential the series could have had, and the fact that nothing in the first season precludes it from getting better. Yeah. I will say that it was canceled too soon. Okay. Maybe I'm not super passionate about it, but I would kind of like to have seen them try to do more with it. I suppose so, and I, I think, well, and that's the thing. I think after three movies and a season of TV, we have we've had enough of Blade. It's not like the blade the character is so rich and so you know worthy of exploration that we just can continue to stay with him so that's the thing you and need so to- we can cut off here and with three movies and a whole season of tv and this is a good diet of blade well this is why when you have a character who is kind of never changing look at mm-hmm. batman for example you need a strong supporting cast you need yeah. people who are more interesting more vulnerable more flawed uh capable of going through huge arcs Hmm. while the protagonist remains more or less steady um and i think they did a good job with jill wagner in particular um and i think that that shows that they have that idea and i think that as the series went on i would want them to introduce Hmm. other interesting characters to be regulars on the series so i'd hope that they Hmm. get there um so that's blade the series that's it um, Blade the Series available on DVD. I think it's still available on CW Seed, which was their like other like online portal mm-hmm. for the CW. I think they just picked it up when they picked up other shit. Yeah, okay. um, but um, it's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. It's certainly it's certainly a novelty. It's certainly interesting. It's one of the better Marvel series that we've looked at. Uh, it, it's that's for sure. Yeah, I'd rather um, watch this than <laughs> Fred and Barney meet the thing. Granted, uh, uh, we haven't been reviewing the mega popular ones like. Daredevil mm. or Punisher or Jessica Jones, but of the ones we review on the show about the shows that failed, mm. it's one of the better ones. <laughs> uh, next time on Cancel Too Soon, which will be real soon, uh, we're going to we're going just down further down the David Goyer hole. Um, <laughs> the Goyer hole, yeah, the, the Goyer hole continues. Oh, that's an anthology series. The Goyer hole, David Goyer. Uh, Welcome, welcome, to my Goyer welcome hole. to the Goyer Hole. <laughs> Lightning crashes, Lightning um, flashes, thunder crashes. We are going to review David Goyer's. It started off as a movie, got turned into a TV movie, which was going to be a backdoor pilot. It got massively rewritten, allegedly from what Goyer wanted. But it's Nick Fury, Agent of Shield, starring David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> Like, you think, oh, David Hasselhoff, would he be a serious Nick Fury? No. No, he would not. No, Nick Nick Fury's not a very interesting character. You can do do whatever you want with Nick Fury. Look, 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 look. 
right. uh, we will talk about it in the next episode. All right. I have long had, much like you had affection for Generation X, mm. I have long had affection for Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. So we will talk, I think there are positive qualities about this cheesy, <laughs> weird misfire hey, of a TV movie slash failed pilot. Hey, you know, I love cheesy, weird misfires, so maybe yeah. I'll fall in love with have this Have you not seen too. this one? I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Ooh, never at all. I thought nope. you were just going to have to, ooh, no, this no, is weird I, for you. I, I think it was one of those nights where I set my VCR and like there was a power out and I lost the programming. Yeah, so. I saw that thing on uh, when it premiered. It was pretty special. Uh, so I'm really excited to talk mm. about that one with you. And then uh, we'll just say it, the next thing we're going to do, the last official entry in the Marvelous Month of Marvels, uh, we're going to be doing the animated series based on Silver Surfer. Called The Silver Surfer. Which was uh, received quite a bit of acclaim, but nobody watched it. And so it's gone. Mm. <laughs> no one talks about it anymore. Well, they put it on the Saturday morning. Should have been a hit. Yeah, it just didn't maybe, didn't take off. Maybe it's just too weird a character I've actually, to say. I've, I remember, I think I saw like one episode when it was on. I don't remember it very well, but everyone keeps telling me it's great. Hopefully it's a nice, you know, good capper. Yeah. For our month. And then uh, we're off in December, and December, well, we're not off. We're going to be doing episodes in December, mm. but that's going to be another strange mixed bag of a of weird pop culture ephemera. And we've got some fun stuff to share with you, mm. so I'm super excited about it. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. Don't forget uh, to subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher. Um, leave a review if you haven't. Um, star rating, a couple of short sentences. Just doing that helps us out immensely because it shares the show mm-hmm. uh, on various algorithms. Yeah, it just put, boosts us up on put, lists. Pushes and, us up on all the lists and yeah, ranks us higher. Uh, and if you really want to contribute to the show, there's a couple of ways. We have an Amazon wish list with a whole bunch of failed television series. Just cancel too soon with one L. You can search for it. Um, we also have our Patreon account, patreon.com slash canceled too soon. Uh, Whitney is putting together some nice prize packs for our top tier mm-hmm. patrons for the holidays. Those, um, those are going out pretty soon. Uh, that'll be really, uh, I, I've seen some of the stuff we put together and it's actually, some of it really made me giggle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I got a real chuckle out of a lot of them. So I'm really excited about it. Um, so we got that going on. We have bonus podcasts going on. We also have a bonus podcast we'll be doing in which we review the two Captain America TV movies from the 1970s. They're just getting all the Marvel out of the way. Just getting it all out of the way. There's a few left. We can do it on another occasion, but mostly we're done. Uh, The Captain America movies are... I once ranked every Marvel movie. Mm. I left out some of the animated stuff, like the straight-to-video animated stuff, but all the other stuff. The Captain America live-action movies were at the bottom, and the list was like 70 movies long. <laughs> I can't wait. They're so bad. So it's going to be real, real punishing. And I know you like that stuff, so mm. come on down. Um, thank you, everybody, again, for listening. We're hoping you're enjoying uh, this content. Don't forget, you can also listen to Critically Acclaimed, uh, not just for Blade the Series, but for all the other cool stuff. This week, we're going to be reviewing all of the Home Alone movies. There are five of those suckers. Yes, there are. Five of them. Not kidding. Wow. And, uh, oh, and you can email us uh, at canceltoosoon at gmail.com. If you have suggestions, questions, do you remember watching these shows? Do you have information you want to share? Just want to find out more about us or the show we do. Email us. We'll do a letters episode or we'll answer some letters on the air. So thank you, everybody, again, for listening, for writing in, for contributing. And that is a wrap. We'll see you next season. (laughs) 